She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. The Next Files Podcast, Season 2. Episode 11. Excelsis Day. So just a quick note, this episode deals with rape and rape accusations and sexual assault. So if those are things you don't want to hear about, you may want to skip this episode. So in this episode, after a nurse says she was raped by an invisible specter, but is sure her attacker is one of the patients at the convalescent home where she works, Mulder and Scully investigate if this is a case of spiritual projection or some other supernatural attack. Well, there, they notice the Alzheimer's patients are surprisingly lucid and seem to be improving. Is there something supernatural going on, or is there another more mundane explanation? This episode was written by Paul Brown, and it was directed by Stephen Sergic. Who was the director of Wayne World, actually, I discovered. I oh, nice. That, but yeah. It was filmed in Vancouver and at the Riverview Hospital in Coquitlam, British Columbia which is one of Canada's most popular filming locations, apparently. It includes Romeo Must Die, Watchmen, Deadpool, Smallville, Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, Batwoman, Riverdale, Fringe, Eye Zombie, The Man in the High Castle, Supernatural, and on and on and on. And apparently, like, almost the entirety of Deadpool 2 was filmed there. Oh, wow. Pretty popular site, yeah. Its original air date was Friday, December 16th, 1994. Had a viewership of 14.2 million in the United States which is down nearly 2 million from last time. So we are starting that volatility that I mentioned last episode, though I had previously said it goes through to February. It actually really goes through the end of the season. There's just a couple of consecutive weeks where it seems stable, but then like, boom, the viewership changes again. So it's kind of weird. I'm not sure what's going on, but mm. yeah. it's going to go up and down, up and down, up and down. And then also for clarity. So upon doing some research, the Latin for the title of this episode is Excelsis Day, but in the episode, it's pronounced Excelsis Day, which is also how I've always would have said it, Excelsis. So if we go back and forth on that, if Tori says it one way and I say it a different, or if I say it multiple ways, that's why, because it is apparently pronounced differently depending on what you're doing. So, mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And then also, depending on what books you're looking at, if you have books on the X-Files, you will see some say that it is spelt with an I-U-S on the end instead of I-S. And I don't know if that was just a typo in one of the original books that got carried forth, but in the show, it is SIS and it's clearly there on the sign of the hospital. So mm -hmm. that's what we're using. So we are at Excelsis Day Convalescent Home in Worcester, Massachusetts. So a nurse or orderly, we'll find out. We're not really sure. She arrives at the hospital at night and inside we see two guys in white uniforms sitting in an office and they're watching a boxing match on television. So... The nurse, or female orderly, again, we're not sure. I think they're all orderlies, but. So you are about to hear me talk about the names of the characters. And um, so I was a little short on time and I was about to do some major research on the episode. And then I didn't. And then I did it after the episode and realized I made some mistakes. So just so you know. Michelle Charters is an RN. It says on her name badge, Michelle Charters RN. And then it's not Will Turnin. It's actually Merv Turnin. And he is an orderly. 
And Upshaw does have a first name. His first name is Don. He is also an orderly. And then Gung. Gung is actually his first name. His name is Gung Bitman. And he is also an orderly. And then we have Dr. Grego. And his is just Dr. John Grego. And then Sharon Dawson. Hers just says administrator. So she's the administrator. Michelle Charters is an RN. I kind of going to say she's an orderly and I'm wrong because I was trying to do it real quick. And then it's not Will Turnin, it's Merv Turnin. And then Don does have a first name. Don. Right. Upshaw. So, yeah. yeah, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Well, sorry, and uh, sorry, Scully sorry. did say she was a registered nurse. I'm just. She saying. did. Yeah. And then I think, <laughs> and, well, then also I think Dawson says she's a nurse too. Yeah. But I was looking at the badges because, like, she doesn't do any nurse stuff in the episode. She just uh-uh. does the orderly stuff. Like, the only time we actually see her doing work is she's just doing orderly stuff. Yeah. And so when I was looking at it, I didn't get a good shot at first because I ran out of time and I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's just because the orderlies are totally useless and make her do all the work because that place is a nightmare. Yeah. Well, and they've only got like five employees. So. <laughs> That's true. Oh my gosh, what a horrible home. Yeah, but anyway, I made a mistake. So you're going to hear me say some things here in a little bit, and they're kind of wrong. So now you know the truth, and I guess I just put the truth out there. So job done. Yay. I was going to say knowing tap the battle, but that didn't work right. Anyway, (laughs) enjoy. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Just waved at the microphone because that works. So that, yeah, that's all all one taker. Okay. She comes in, and one of the men who is named Will Turnin, he starts like faux boxing with the other guy. He had previously been like air boxing, and then when she walks in, he's like, "Hey, let's fight!" <laughs> and so, and I think that's probably like you know peacock feathers, but anyway. So he starts fighting with the other orderly who is named Upshaw, just his last name. And she gets annoyed at their behavior, and she asks him like, "Who's watching the floor? You guys are in here watching boxing. Like, who's watching the floor?" And Upshaw is like, "Oh, what's his name?" So there's obviously someone else working there. And then Turnin asks her to guess who died this afternoon. Mrs. Richardson. She face planted right into a bowl of pudding. Ha ha ha. Isn't that funny? And then she gets irritated some more, especially after she finds out that they didn't bother to change out her room. They left it for her. Ha ha. So she goes into a room where there's two elderly residents and they're watching television from their bed. They're watching the same boxing match. And she's like, party's over and walks in and just flips off the TV. And is like, why, why? Because they said that Gung said they could watch until the end. And she says, rules are rules. And you guys know that she's queen bitch around here. One guy's got the remote hidden under his cover. So she pulled back his cover. She takes the remote for him. And then she goes over to the other man and he like flirts with her and grabs her butt. And then she's like, oh, you need to remove that hand. And then she straps his wrist into the bed before pulling up his bedding Mm -hmm. and then leaving. And they kind of look at each other, the two men do. And then in the hall, she passes Gung, who's pushing like a linen cart. And she stops and she reminds him there's no TV after nine o'clock. And he says that Dr. Grago said they're getting better. So he thought it was okay for them to be watching TV. And she says, oh, sure. He thinks it's all right because they don't pinch his butt every time he walks into a room. And so she's all mad. So she walks off. So then she goes into Mrs. Richardson's room. She slides her name off of the door. And then she goes in to change the bed. And the room is pretty stripped down. I think maybe because they took all her stuff out. I don't know. Some of the rooms are kind of bare too. But as she's in there, the door to the room just closes. Boom. 
and then the bed starts vibrating and then the locks on the bed wheels rotate and so then the bed like rolls across and gets in front of the door up against the door and so she tries to move it but it won't move and then she like gets flipped up onto the bed boom and slammed down on it and then she's like, ah, and she jumps up off the bed. And then we see like the restraints on the bed open up by themselves. And then something grabs her again and throws her on the bed. And her hands are up above her head and the wrists strap her down. And then she's screaming for help, 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 help. And we get a shot of the hallway and the hallway's totally empty. And then we can hear her screams. And then it's theme song time. Yeah. No one's there because they're all watching boxing or something. I don't know. Because all these facilities are awful. Just I what know. We know from the X Files. Doesn't matter if it's a hospital or an elder care home or a psych a ward, mental hospital all, or anything. They're, they're all, all awful, miserable. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. No wonder. Like, I mean, I I think this is how a lot of these places are portrayed on TV. And to be fair, there are a lot of really terrible oh, nursing yeah. homes mm-hmm. and stuff. But like, well, man, and psych wards and hospitals. Just, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's just so. But it's TV. You can make it better. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, the whole strapping the guy's wrist to the bed, I guess that's c- so he doesn't hurt himself because he has Alzheimer's. Is that what's going on? I actually think it was probably payback for grabbing her butt. I mean, oh. you could probably argue that's what it's for because they all have those straps on their bed. And yeah. so, yes, possibly. But I think that was because she didn't strap in the other dude. Yeah, and I was wondering has, about that. So I didn't know if maybe this he's guy. He's supposed to have Alzheimer's too. So I think it was just because he grabbed her butt. So. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure. Yeah. Because no I could see them. These places is awesome. We'll see. No, that. they're not. They're not. Yeah. You know. I mean, I can. Uh, we'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk about it. But yeah, not not good. So then we're at FBI headquarters in Washington D.C. And Mulder arrives at the X-Files office and Scully is seated at his desk and she's watching something on the television, which is on a roller cart. And Mulder jokes, he's like, hey, whatever tape you found in that VCR isn't mine. And she's like, oh, good, because I put it back in the drawer with all the other tapes that aren't yours. And I, Mulder has porn at work. I don't know why. This is his defining trait. I think it's a really odd choice. Yeah, yeah, it's like, not, yeah. I don't, I don't hate it. I find Mulder incredibly endearing. I love him. I just think it's so weird that like his motivations are his dead sister or missing sister and like finding the truth and his only hobby is that he likes boobs. Like, yeah. Come on. They yeah, Scully definitely with. has like a case for like hostile work environment if she wanted to. I mean, she finds it endearing too, clearly. She does yeah, not. Yeah, if she wanted to. If she wanted oh yeah, to. if she wanted to. But it's just, it's no. so, and I guess it's because it's not that it was okay in the 90s, but I guess. No. It was this is just a thing that happened on tv all the time it's so weird anyway this episode all written really by just dude the dude thinks it's hilarious yeah i guess that's what it is yeah so then Mulder sees the image on the screen and it's this woman with like a large black eye and a fat lip with like a cut on her lip and he's like okay this definitely isn't mine and scully tells him the woman is michelle charters she's a registered nurse at a convalescent home so i guess she is a nurse oh so she is okay um and charter says she was raped which is consistent with her injuries and the medical report and scully hands that to Mulder, and then Mulder's like oh did you get this case from violent crimes and scully tells him that actually charters made this video herself to like document her injuries and like tell her story because no one will believe her and that's because she claims she was raped by an invisible entity. So like some kind of spirit being. No. So Mulder says he actually has several X-Files that document similar cases. And Scully knows she's actually been there since six in the morning going through them. And Mulder says, well, then you'll know that none of these cases have ever been substantiated. And he says that 
Due to the trauma and psychological violence of rape, victims sometimes perceive their attackers' faces as blurred or inhuman or invisible. And Scully agrees that it's possible in some cases, but this one is different because Charters has actually filed a lawsuit against the government. Despite the fact that her attacker was invisible, she actually is convinced of the identity of this spiritual being. Yep. And that's why it's an FBI case because suing the government. Because otherwise it wouldn't be right. a federal case. So. So then we cut to a scene of them actually interviewing Michelle Charters and we see her eye is all still bruised up and her lip is still split. And she says, Hal Arden, because they're asking her like who she thinks did it. And she tells them that Hal has been a patient where she works for the last five years. And Mulder is kind of skeptical and says like, well, how do you know it was him? And she's like, he's made advances and he has said rude things to her. And then she's still getting like some pushback a little bit. And then she says, when you bathe someone daily for five years, you get to know them. Like, you know how people smell, you know how their body feels. And she recognized that during her attack. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to put a big old pin in this and we're going to come back to it. A big old pin. Big old pin. Sticking it there. So Scully's like, I know this is hard, but then Charter's interrupter and says, like, no, this is the easy part. Hard is not being able to get disability or workers' comp and having to go back to work with that person there. So Scully says they'll continue the investigation, but they'll need some form of concrete evidence. And Charter's like, she knows, she's heard it all before. Without fibers or semen or hair or something, no one can build a case. And Charter's insists that she didn't make it up, that if she could give them anything, she would. So mm-hmm. imagine it would be really easy to lie. So. Yeah, exactly. And say that it wasn't that way. So, yeah. Yeah, insisting that the attacker was invisible does kind of lend a little credit. Not that she's not credible, but like it lends a little credibility because if you were straight up lying, you would just say this person attacked me. Yeah. Although. Because, yeah, she's, because she's not helping her case by saying it was an invisible entity that raped her. Right, exactly. Yeah. So then we get to the home and Scully and Mulder interview Hal Arden. Um, and at the time they interview him, Gung is helping him out of the bath and he's like wearing a robe and he laughs at the assertion that he could have attacked Charters. He's like, I'm 74 and my plumbing is older than this building. And then he flashes them to demonstrate and he's like, it doesn't work much better either. And Mulder's like, thank you for sharing. <laughs> yeah. And they let him know that he's named in a lawsuit against the government and he's surprised to hear that. And Scully asks if he's ever threatened Miss Charters. And he says that it was harmless and that ever since this sexual harassment fad, men can't say what's on their minds, which I will, I will just give a You will agree sigh. with, right? Yeah, we can't. I can't. <laughs> no, no, I don't agree with that. <laughs> just means you guys can't harass people. It's not, you know, hmm. anyway, it's fine. We could have this argument on Twitter someday. <laughs> So Scully insists that Charter says he made advances and then he like compliments Scully and he's like, see, is that offensive? And then he looks at Mulder and he's like, sorry for stepping on your toes. And Mulder's like, oh, there must be some confusion. And Arden agrees. He's like, I have one foot in the grave, but I can't fly down hallways and attack people. So not me. He says, though, if that's what heaven is like. Take me now. I know. So. Oh, God. This whole scene, I was just like, mm, okay, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. And <laughs> so then his roommate, like Arden's roommate, is brought into the bathing room and he kind of like 
eyes what's going on kind of warily. And then Gung ushers Arden out of the room. And Scully asks Mulder what he thinks. And Mulder thinks it's likely the case will end up like his other cases that are similar. It'll just be unsubstantiated phenomena. Like they're not going to be able to prove anything. And the roommate, whose name is Stan, watches them leave. And orderly Upshaw is trying to give him a bath and he's a jerk. And he's like, you need to pay attention or you'll take a bath with your clothes on again because these guys are super friendly yeah. and helpful. And he's like, oh, whatever, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's a jerk. Yeah. And I guess I'm glad Mulder and Scully were amused by Arden, but I was just like, oh. First of all, put your robe back on. And second of all, you're not like oppressed because you can't pinch women's butts, which you're doing anyway. And then you're having consequences for that, which is this woman thinks you attacked her. So yeah. kind of made your own so, bed there, buddy. Yeah, I have to say, though, 74 was rough back in the 90s, apparently, because if those dudes are 74, whew, they had some hard <laughs> living. Yeah, those are what I would think nowadays you would think of like 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 late 80, 90 year old guys. So, yeah, yeah. Age is weird in the X Files. We talked about this before, like in in Squeeze and in Tombs, with like how old the detective is supposed to be. He's supposed to be like super. He's supposed to be like seventy something. You're like, dude, this guy's like late fifties. Come on, right? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Also, the orderly is a jerk, which hmm, that'll be a theme. Yeah, it will be a theme. Yep. So Mulder and Scully are outside, and they're walking with Sharon Dawson who tells them that Excelsis Day used to be a leading facility, but then the funding was cut and they were all but shut down. And there's no longer an on-site medical staff. The doctor visits three times a week, but the residents are well looked after. And I'm like, keep telling yourself that lady. <laughs> they hold themselves to the highest standard of care. Which we've and seen so much of. We've seen, And we will see a lot more of, yes. We will see all of that high standard of care, yes. And they specialize in diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. And so Mulder says they met a patient and she's like, resident, we prefer resident. And so he's like, well, we met a resident who we were told had Alzheimer's, but he seemed really spry and alert and kind of knew what was going on. And she's like, oh, you mean Hal Arden, the man accused of assaulting charters. And she says that they should speak to Dr. Grago. And Hal has been with them for eight years now, and they're all quite fond of him. And they're dismayed by the lawsuit. And Scully asks if that means they don't believe Charter's allegations. And she says, Dawson, she says that she has something to show them. So in this scene, Mulder's double shoulder pads are so <laughs> ridiculous looking. It's like, it's like, oh, 90s, you tried. He's got, obviously, he's got the big shoulder pads in his suit jacket. But then he's wearing his trench coat, which also has shoulder pads. And he's got, like, these giant shoulders. It's shoulder really pads hilarious. were such a weird, <laughs> they were such a weird thing. It's so and Well, then you layered shoulder pads because you'd like shoulder pads on top of shoulder pads. It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. it's not a good trend. Anyway, <laughs> let's never bring that back. Let's all make an agreement that we're not going to do that. I see some acid wash coming back. Don't really need it, but let's just keep shoulder pads out of the mix. Yeah. So meanwhile, while they're talking, Stan was watching Mulder and Scully with Dawson through the window. And then he turns around and he asks Cal what he told them. And he's like, I didn't tell them anything. And he's like, you need to start being more careful. If if they find out what's going on, this is going to be all for nothing. And Hal's like, I didn't tell them anything. And then so Stan says, I'm not going to die in this godforsaken home. And he opens a drawer and he has this big brown pill, which he pops in and drinks some water and Hal's like where did you get that and Stan is like I know where he keeps them so we don't know who this he is but Stan knows where he keeps the pills and Hal's like give me one give me one Stan's like I don't you can't handle another one you can't handle these pills and he's like better give me one or I'm gonna rat us out 
So like, don't tell anybody, but also give me one of those pills. Remember to tell everybody. <laughs> yep. so, yeah. Yeah. So then we're in what I guess is the administration office and Dawson gives them a file on Michelle charters. And Michelle has apparently filed three separate insurance claims for accidents on the job. And then in April, she went to the board and requested leave with full pay due to job-related emotional stress. And her request was denied. And Dawson says there's even more in the file. And Scully's like, can I review it myself? And Dawson's like, sure, review it all you want. And Mulder asks if Dawson saw charters after the incident and saw the extent of her injuries. And Dawson did. And Mulder's like, well, do you think she staged the incident then? And before she can answer, orderly Tiernan knocks on the door and he tells Dawson that they need help because Mr. Arden is choking to death. So they all race down the hall and Stan is in the room standing over Hal saying, see, see what happened as Arden chokes. And so Scully's like, call 911. And then she asks Hal if he can speak and she thinks he's in ventricular fibrillation. And so he basically tells the orderly what he needs, including a defibrillator and a crash cart. And so Upshaw runs off to get it. And she starts doing like chest compressions. And someone says the ambulance is on the way. And then we see Gung and he's kind of like lurking in the hall near the door. And he's kind of like watching what's going on. And then he slips away quietly. Mm-hmm. And then Hal also slips away. Yep. He dies. He dies. Yeah. We go to commercial. See, commercials are a good time. People die, you go to commercial. That's yeah, what yeah, it's a good break, I guess. Get some popcorn, use the restroom. Yeah. Yep. They did some weird digital effect on Arden's throat when he's choking. Like they did like a like what you would call like a pinch, you know, like they made it like like it like his throat was sucking in mm-hmm. and it looked awful. It was unnecessary. And it t- it totally pulled me right out of the scene. I was like, just stop it, X-Files. Stop doing that. It would have been fine. Like he's choking. It's an old dude who's choking. We don't need any like weird his throat is like going into time space. It's fine. Yeah. So and there was a weak ass chest compression, Scully. She's yeah. Like, no. I'm guessing that was so she didn't hurt the actor. Cause like real well, chest probably, compressions. Well, you, you don't actually... even see her doing it. You see it's off. She's off screen. You don't even, I think you barely see her elbows. Like she yeah. pressing on a table. They could have tried. Yeah. I guess they could have turned it up. Why he died. He died. Cause Scully didn't try hard enough. There we go. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. <laughs> I'm not blaming his death on Scully. Fine. But I mean, real chest compressions can you actually break ribs usually when you no, do them? And you, like CPR yeah, you, you, is serious. You gotta, put, you gotta put effort into that. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I'm trained. I don't know. Yeah. If you I've are, had, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I have a, it was yeah. years ago. So I don't think my CPR training is like up to date, but I was officially like certified. Yeah. CPR you gotta press. It's, it's hard work. That's why you need to have someone who can take over after. Yeah. Cause like, it is. Rounds like, because you have to press really hard to keep the heart pumping. Yeah. So then some EMTs, they wheel out his body. He's like totally wrapped in like white sheet or whatever, strapped onto the gurney, totally covered like a mummy, mm-hmm. taking him into the ambulance. And Dr. Grago has arrived and he tells Mulder and Scully that Hal has been his patient since he arrived eight years ago and that his death is a setback. And they're like, setback? And he's like, Hal is a part of a group of Alzheimer's patients that he had been treating for the past 11 months with an experimental drug called Depranil. And Scully, of course, has read about it and knows everything about it. And but she's also read that the clinical benefits are marginal at best. And Dr. Grago says that these patients have been improving and demonstrating impressive cognitive abilities. Before the treatment, Hal could barely complete a sentence. And he tells them that there's not a lot to get excited about in his light of work because, you know, you're dealing with geriatric care, right? So most of the patients are on a downhill slide. You're just trying to make their life better at the end. And he said, so to be able to reverse an illness like this is amazing. 
And so Scully asks if they can look at some of the other patients in the group. And he's like, sure, not a problem. And as the ambulance pulls away, we see Michelle Charters is watching it go. She looks kind of sad and kind of also not sure. And then walks in. And then we see Gung is watching from the window. And then we cut inside and he's in Stan's room and Stan dumps out his pill cup and he has one of those big brown tablets again. So he pops it and Gung sees it. It's like, hey, where'd you get that? And Stan says it was Hal's, but since he's not here anymore, why can't I have it? And Gung is like, you've had enough. It needs to stay secret. Stan swallows the pill anyway, drinks his water. And he says, but it's making me better. And Gung says that too much is very bad. He's not allowed to have any more. He's going to cut him off. Yep. So, so we know where the pills are coming from now. They're coming from Gung. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what they are yet, but they're coming from Gung. <laughs> nope. So in a rec room at the home, we see older people sitting at tables. They're doing like various craft projects. And one woman is in a wheelchair and she's kind of like, like wheeling around, like giving instructions to people who aren't there. Like she's like someone's decorating for a party or something. And she's like telling them where to put things, but no one's there. And there's one man sitting at a table drawing. And Dr. Grego says that's Leo Kreutzer. And he used to be a great artist. And Mulder's like, oh, is he receiving the same treatment as Hal Arden? And Grego says, yes. When he arrived here at the home, he couldn't even draw a circle. Now look at him. And the doctor's like, okay, well, I got to go do my rounds. So I'm going to take off. And Scully's like, well, can we get a copy of Arden's autopsy results when you get them? And he's like, yeah, of course. And then like he leaves. Yeah. He's like, I'm only here three days a week. I got stuff to do. (laughs) Yeah. Got a lot of work to do in those three days. So Mulder goes to the table where Leo is sitting and he asks if he can sit and Leo doesn't really respond. So he takes a seat and he looks at his drawing and Scully comes over and she says, Hey, we're with the FBI. We'd like to ask you some questions. And the woman in the wheelchair stops and she's like, Leo is a brilliant artist, but like Leo continues to draw and he's not really answering And the woman's like, President Kennedy has one of Leo's paintings in the White House. And then Leo kind of looks up and gives her this, like, exasperated look. And Scully says Dr. Drago told them that he hadn't been able to work in years and the medication has improved. And he kind of cuts her off and he's like, it's not the medication. And so Scully's like, well, what is it then? And again, before he can answer orderlies come in and they announce that it's time for dinner and so Tiernan pulls the woman away in the wheelchair and Nikki's pretty forceful about it because he's a mm-hmm. jerk yeah and so the others had like get up and head to dinner and then Upshaw yanks the pencil out of Leo's hand and threatens to embarrass him if he doesn't cooperate and so yeah, I want to be embarrassed in front of your friends yeah he's such yeah. a jerk I'm definitely gunning They're for both. all these assholes to die <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if someone's going to die in this episode, I definitely hope it's these guys. So Leo lets Upshaw walk him away and Scully picks up the drawing and she looks at it and it kind of looks like a garden with a tree, but there's like hands coming out of the ground and like a woman floating above. It's kind of a weird drawing, but it's better than a circle. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're they're both dicks. Yes. They're both they're both awful and they should not be working there. I don't know about them needing to die and like coming from me, that's really saying something because I'm the kind of person like, man, if I had telekinesis, there would be so much blood, <laughs> so much blood. So yeah. But yeah, I don't know that they need to die just because they're awful. well, I mean so far they haven't done anything like super awful. They've like made 
rude comments and are maybe a little rough with people that they should not be rough with, yeah. which is why they should not be working there. Right. They should definitely not be working there. So, but I mean, really, honestly, I don't think anyone who works there should be working there. No, good. The whole staff needs including, to be like including Michelle. She's not great either, to be honest. So. Well, she doesn't want to be working there. Honestly, I don't know why she's not putting all this effort into getting a new job. Like she keeps yeah. trying to file for, which is fine. But like, I know getting a new job is not necessarily easy, but I feel like if she's a nurse, she would hopefully have some other options. I don't know. Maybe yeah, it's close and, to work. And if she is a nurse, she's like the only nurse who works there. Everyone else is just like an orderly or like an right. administrator or the doctor who shows up three days a week. So cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool. So then we're at Hotel Hartley in Worcester, Massachusetts, and it is 6.53 p.m. And so Mulder and Scully are heading to the hotel lobby. And Scully is telling Mulder how amazing the treatment for Alzheimer's would be. Also, I'd like to note, she straight up stole Leo's drawing that he hadn't finished. She's like walking in with it, looking at it. Like, what the hell, Scully? Like, <laughs> she just like lifted that entire art. Well, you know, it. Mulder stole the drawing from, uh, what's his name? Roll, I was thinking about it. Roll, yeah, Roland. Mulder. Roland. And admittedly, Roland's was just like a bunch of numbers, but still, same thing. Yeah, but still, like, this dude was going to be coming back. He hadn't finished it. He was going to come back and work on it after dinner, we're assuming. And she straight up, like, he's going to come back and it's going to be gone. So, <laughs> yeah, she straight up stole it. Oh, man. Anyway. It's evidence. So, <laughs> yeah, of what? So we like, don't know, but it is. Yeah, so like, yeah, that'd be it'd be great if there was a treatment for Alzheimer's, which it would be. It'd be fantastic, right? Yes. So Mulder gives the room keys to the front desk person and tells them they're checking out of their rooms. So Mulder's just decided they're leaving. Apparently. Yeah, I guess they're done. <laughs> and Scully's like, well, there might be a connection between the drug and Charter's attack. The treatment produces acetylcholine, which has been shown to cause a psychotic state, according to Scully. And Mulder asks if she was suggesting that Charters was raped by an invisible 74-year-old schizophrenic. And so Scully wonders if it's the building then. And Mulder's like, are you suggesting the building is haunted? If so, you've been working with me for too long. And she's like, no, no, no. It could be like environmental. It could be like fungus in the walls. Like she's like, you were in that room. You know, and like disinfectants could not hide that smell. So apparently it doesn't smell great in there either, which is awesome. And she's like, you know, fungal infections have been known to cause delusions or violent behavior. And Mulder thinks that Scully is looking too hard for something that isn't there. Yep. Yep. He believes that Charters concocted the story to get out of a job she hates. And Scully argues that Charters' lip required 13 stitches. And also the blow to her head resulted in a subdermal hematoma. So she got a lump. And that's quite a concoction. It sounds fancy, but I mean, she's got a lump on her head. And she wants to stay and speak with a few more patients and then they can take the same flight out tomorrow. And I don't want to be like, you know, minimizing the fact that she got hit on the head and that kind of stuff. It just, it sounds all like, oh my God, subdermal hematoma. She's got a lump on her head. I would like to say though, from Dwayne Barry, a um, agent Scully had said that you want to believe so badly you end up looking too hard. So. Well, no, I think that's, I think it's good though, because they're both, they both do it. Like they both. Okay want to look at something and like i kind of like that it's you know i like when it turns around too because it does show that they both have their things that they want to go for and like scully obviously wants to help michelle charters and Mulder just thinks there's no point like we're not going to find anything here like right yeah. we don't have any evidence any proof and scully's trying to find reasons to stay and keep looking which is a switch <laughs> yeah it is so it has been noted elsewhere that all of Scully's 
drug and brain sciences episode is wrong and actually is almost completely the opposite of what it says and then i looked into that and it's basically true like it is all backwards i honestly was not even going to bother because i've kind of just resigned myself to the fact that the science in x files is always going to be wrong and just treat it like dilithium crystals or kyber crystals and be like it's yeah it's tv science it's not real mm-hmm. science but then i saw others saying it was wrong and they gave why it was wrong so i had to go and see if they were wrong because that's just it's like an illness i have to do that so right but it is wrong it's basically the opposite so wait what what's wrong though i'm like confused. the drugs that she says does things it actually oh. does the exact opposite okay and then like it can cause things but it's not because of that drug it's because that drug suppresses another drug that does cause it and so mm-hmm. yeah and then there's all kinds of other stuff too okay stuff like that. yeah i'm guessing super- that the drugs that's why i didn't bother looking at that one i just kind of wrote down what they said because i'm like i'm gonna guess that none of the science in this episode is based on anything yeah, but it's never, yeah i'm just kind of and i'm gonna really try to like when scully starts doing science i'm be like okay it's x-files scully's doing science it's paul it's brown be, who doesn't know anything about yeah or chris carter or anybody right they're writing the episode yeah. it's gonna be yeah they saw something and was like "Ooh, well, i'm gonna write this in <laughs> yeah so then Tiernan is trying to force feed Dorothy, the woman in the wheelchair, before he gives up and walks away. And he's such a jerk about it. Yep. And then we see Gung is with Leo and Leo has like a tray of dinner in front of him and he's not touching it. And so Gung's like, why aren't you eating? And Leo says, me and Dorothy both need more. And Gung's like, what I've given you is enough. And Leo says, it's not working for us. Not like it does for the others. And Gung basically refuses to give them more. And he asks Leo to please eat his dinner. And Gung leaves. And then Dorothy comes to Leo's room. And Leo says he thinks Stan has some more hidden away somewhere. So he knows Stan has had access to Gung's stock. And he wants to go get some. Yeah. And then we see Stan's daughter. And she's at the home. And she's kind of asking what's going on. Because a year ago, her dad, Stan, was begging to come live with her and her husband. And now Stan's like, things have changed and he doesn't want to come live with them anymore. So she tells him that she's sorry about what happened to Arden. And Tiernan says that he's just about finished packing Stan's stuff. And Stan's like, I'm going to go check and make sure you didn't miss anything. So he like goes into his room and Tiernan tells Stan's daughter that she can go ahead and pull her car around and like he'll walk Stan out. And then he like closes the door, which... Mm-hmm. yeah I, you, I see your note you're like that's nuts it is i did think he was gonna like beat stan up or something so like or something I was, was gonna happen yeah, yeah you never want to be i mean as someone who worked i mean obviously an elder home is different from a kid's home but relatively similar yeah you never want to be unobservable with a resident a patient whatever you want to call them right you never want to be like in a room by yourself with someone because if something happens it's he said, she said, right? He said, right. he said, whatever you want to do it, right? It's always, you know, just, yeah. Anyway, so Stan's daughter really reminded me of someone. I was watching, I was like, wait, this is like someone I know. I know who this person is. And that's because it's the same actor who played Ellen Reardon, Cindy's mom in Eve, who oh. I said at the time looked a lot like someone I actually know. So it was like doubly familiar this time. Cause I'm like, wait, that person really reminds me of this unnamed person that I'm not going to like out on the podcast. And then, I was like, that's weird. And then I was like, oh, because it was the same person. That's why they remind me of the same person. Oh, that's cool, though. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it had been long enough that I did not recognize her. So good for them. So Scully and Mulder arrive to speak with Stan. And he's obviously in the room with the door closed with 
turning. And so Mrs. Kelly's out there and she's like, oh, I'm his daughter. And so Scully's like, well, we're FBI. We want to ask him a few questions about his medical treatment. And she's like, well, I can help. You can totally talk to me. And so apparently they decide that, that works. And so they're outside and it's nighttime. And Mrs. Kelly tells them it's really hard. Like her daughters refuse to come and visit their grandpa here. And he's been there for almost three years. But they brought him there because they didn't really have a choice. The doctors told him he would need 24-hour nursing assistance and both she and her husband work. And they have two children. So Mulder points out he doesn't seem to really need that now. And she's like, I thought I was bringing him here to die and that he would only get worse. But he's like improved so much. And so she credits Dr. Grago and his treatment and says, but her dad won't tell her anything about it. He's like, he's always just so angry. She's like, he was so angry that we brought him here in the first place. And now he's angry that we want to bring him home. And then in the room, we see that Tiernan is just like throwing stuff in the stand suitcase. He's like throwing stuff in there. And he's like, got to tell you, I'm not going to miss you because you are a royal pain in the butt. And Stan grabs something and he runs out of the room. Boom. And Tiernan chases him up the stairs. And then there's this room and like the doors open. So he goes in and at the far end of the room, there's a window. And then the window just kind of opens. And he's like, stop messing around. You know, he has like, what are you, a track star now? Because like an old dude, right? So he's having to chase him. He's kind of like turning, like out of breath after chasing him. And he's like, stop messing around. He goes and looks out the window. And we see that it looks like Stan's like climbing up on the roof. We see like foot, boom, go behind like a little awning kind of thing. So Tiernan goes out on the ledge and it's like, I'm not going to come get you. Stop messing around. Come on back inside. You better go back in that window. And then from the inside of the room, we see camera, camera, camera. And something pushes Tiernan's legs out for a minute. He's just like almost like a flip. Whoa. And then, but he grabs onto the ledge. And then he's like, help, help, help. And then we cut and Mulder and everyone see him because they're on the lawn talking. They look up and Tiernan's hanging from the ledge and he's crying for help. So Mulder runs back into the building and goes up the stairs. And then we see like Tiernan's hanging onto the windowsill. But then we see like something starting to like pry his finger, like his fingers are being pried up off the windowsill, but there's nothing there prying his fingers up. So Mulder gets there and he reaches his hand out and Tiernan is like, I can't reach it. But he finally gets it. But then something happens and he just like slips out of Mulder's grass, falls, ah, boom, lands on the grass. Got blood coming out of his ear. Scully does a little two fingers on the neck, dead. And Mrs. Kelly's like, oh my God. And then commercial because someone died. So we go to commercial. That's how you do it. Oh, I, I love your little like oh my god i don't know it's so funny <laughs> and also look i'm not sad that this guy's dead at all so no. no tears for caesar yeah i do have a question like wouldn't they have heard that whole exchange like they have a clear visual of him hanging from the ledge and like they hear him crying for help wouldn't they have heard him like saying like you get down stan you better get back inside especially because like he would he was saying Stan, like I would think his daughter would have caught that and they would have seen him before all that happened. Like, but no one noticed anything until he's like, Help, help, help. Uh, yeah, I so. don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh. So then it's daytime and Stan is sitting on his bed, and Dr. Grego comes rushing in saying he got the message this morning that an orderly fell out of the window. And Mulder tells him that they're currently trying to determine if Stan was involved, because apparently Stan was with him just prior to the accident right and gray goes like that's impossible stan has a degenerative hip disease he couldn't have gotten up to the fourth floor on his own 
and the elevators in this building haven't worked in years, which seems really bad for an elder yeah. care home to not have working elevators, especially when you have residents in wheelchairs. It's not the elevator stuff. is not working. It's that they haven't worked in years. Right. That's the thing. And they haven't bothered to fix them. This place is a nightmare. Anyway. Mulder asks about the post-mortem on Hal Arden, and Grego says he's supposed to get it today. And then Grego asks Mulder what he expects to find, and Mulder's like, well, I'm not exactly sure. And so then they leave, and Gung and Stan both share a look. Mm. Yeah, because Gung was in the room yeah. with him. So. so they... Yes. So then Miss Kelly asks why they're questioning Stan, and Scully assures her that it's just routine procedure. And she's worried that they're not going to let her take her father home now. And out in the hall, Charters is arguing with Dawson and Scully gets up to go see what's going on. And Charters is like, I told you guys something was going on and it had to do with Mr. Arden and Mr. Phillips, who is Stan. And she storms off. And Dawson asks Scully to explain what's going on around here. She's like, I don't know what's happening. What's happening? And then Dorothy, we hear her like shouting and she's telling someone to leave her alone. And so she comes out into the hall and Dawson's like, go back into your room. We can send an orderly if you need something. And Dorothy's like, all the orderlies are already in my room. And so they look in the room and there's like nobody there. And so Scully asks Dawson if Dorothy's going to be all right. And Dawson nods. And then she like grabs her wheelchair and tries to roll her back into her room. And like, Dorothy grabs like the frame of the door and like refuses to be pushed in. And Dorothy, like, starts shouting at someone who's around Scully, and she's like, go away, don't touch her. And so then from her perspective, we see these, like, apparitions around Scully, and Scully just kind of excuses herself. And from Dorothy's point of view, we see the apparitions follow Scully. Yeah, but she's like, don't you follow her, leave her alone. So, yeah. Charters literally says, how am I supposed to handle the whole floor by myself? To which Dawson irritatedly answers, I don't know, Michelle. I have other things to deal with right now. It's like, what? And then she's totally unaware that Upshaw didn't show up for work. It's like, you have four employees. Now you have three. And you don't know who's at work. And then you ask an FBI agent to explain what's going on in the place you supposedly run. Like, definitely getting that high standard of care going on. Right. So, And then, like, who's cooking? Who's cleaning? Who's doing the laundry? This is an awesome place. I've, like, if I was – because when she asked, she's like – could you tell me what's going on around here? And Scully just kind of looks at her like I would have just clocked her, mm. just boom in the face, just knock her out, yeah. lay her out. But that's me. <laughs> so yeah, she definitely oh does God. not have a good handle on what's happening in her facility at all. No, she has no idea. She's like angrily like making check marks on a list when she's arguing with charters. It's like, what do you what do you what is what is this checklist that you're so working on? Like it's not obviously who's at work because you don't know. <laughs> So, oh my God. <laughs> so then uh, Mulder and Dr. Grago are looking at Arden's autopsy. It just got faxed in. And Grago's like, there's something on this report that shouldn't be here. There's some kind of acid. And he names it, but I don't remember what it is. And Mulder's like, what is it? And he says he thinks it might be a kind of poison. So Scully comes in and Mulder's like, someone poisoned Arden. So she takes the report. And looks at it it's like, well, it's only a trace amount, but small amounts can cause hallucinations. And that's what's happening to Dorothy right now down the hallway. So Grago asks, like, well, where did they get it? And then Charters knocks on the door and it's like, you guys need to come quickly. So Dr. Scully is like out doctoring the doctor because she knows. Everything. Yeah. Like, just let me see that doctor. So, yeah, it's Scully. 
So then they follow Charters to the rec room, and Leo is like standing on the ladder, and there's this massive mural on the wall. And it's kind of similar to his drawing, but much more hellish, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Like there's like souls screaming, and there's like hands coming up everywhere, and there's like tree branches, and just like bodies all merged together, and just it's very surreal. Mm-hmm. And Mulder says, What's the name of that Asian orderly? <laughs> oh, jeez. And Dr. Grago's like, Gung, I think he's in the basement. It's like, Jesus Christ, people. Like, oh, my God. Oh, anyway. So Mulder heads down to the basement and he looks around and he doesn't see anybody. And then he comes to a door with a very shiny new lock. And he breaks the lock open with some like pieces of metal that were just laying in the. It's, it's a massive basement. It's got like it's like huge hallways, tunnels, basically under this mm-hmm. place. Just like tunnels, 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 tunnels. And so he breaks the lock open and he goes inside. There's like water slow dripping over from you know it's like a drip line and poses like that. And there's beds of mushrooms everywhere. And so Mulder touches one because, of course, he's going to touch one. <laughs> of course. And then he notices some fabric sticking out of the dirt near the ground. So he, like, bends down. And he kind of pulls at it. And as he pulls at it, this hand boop, pops up out of the dirt. And then he starts digging, of course, disturbing the crime scene. And so he dig, digs, digs. And then he finds a face. And he turns it. And he's like, oh, Upshaw. And that's why Upshaw didn't show up for work. Because he was dead in the basement. Yep. So... Mulder knows Upshaw's name, but not Gung's. That's kind of racist, but anyway. But Doctor doesn't even know it really either, so. Yeah. You've got, like, four employees, and you can't keep track of who's at work. You can't keep track of names. I realize he's only there three days a week, but you probably should know the people who work there, since there's only, like, four of them. It's not that hard. Yeah. So. And then we get to the scene that I like to call fun with xenophobia and racism, so. Yeah, if as if we haven't had enough of that already. Yeah, buckle in, guys. Buckle in. Yeah. So Gung is sitting in the office with Mulder, Scully, Dawson, and Grego. And and it's super dark with like one light. So it's all like spotlight, like interrogation action yeah. going on. And Gung is like, I didn't kill Upshaw. And Mulder's like, well, it's your mushroom crop, isn't it? And Gung confirms, yes, I'm growing these mushrooms. And so he asks, who else would have buried him there? And then Scully asks why he's growing the mushrooms, and he's like, for medicinal purposes. And he does admit to feeding the mushrooms to the residents in small amounts, and Mulder asks why, and he's like, because it makes them feel better. And Mulder's like, or kills them? And (laughs) Gung's like, no. And so then Grego asks what kind of mushrooms they are, which they don't actually say. And Gung just says that, like, they've been used in his country for ages, but our customs in my country are different. (sighs) okay dawson sneers like oh well, we're not in your country now because she's awesome and uh, gum's like well yeah. where i'm from multiple generations live together like grandparents with grandkids and here old people are sent away to die which is to be fair not a great system True. and grego argues that they're given excellent care which we've all seen is not the case at this place yeah. and gum's like well yeah. they're not treated with respect which you know he's not wrong so mm-hmm. And then Mulder's like, well, who killed the orderly and buried him in that room? And Gung says something has gone wrong. So he doesn't answer the question. So he doesn't know. Yeah. But he doesn't even say, like, I don't know. He just kind of keeps talking. And he's like, back home, people use these mushrooms to communicate with our dead ancestors. But the souls that die here continue to suffer. And now they've been awakened. And they're taking revenge for their mistreatment. 
And Walder's like, well, how are these mushrooms taken? And Gunk says that he dries them and he turns them into a powder. And Mulder suggests that Grego check on his other patients and make sure no one else is taking these mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of like poltergeist a little bit, like the dead souls apparently coming back and being evil. We don't know. Yeah. yeah. There's some, there's a lot of, yeah, we'll get into mm-hmm. that. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So we're not in your country now. <laughs> and then also the whole, like in my country, yeah, in my culture, in my co- we do this, and it's like yeah. that's fine, uh-huh. but it's not. He's not even naming it a culture. It's just like this because they don't want to get in Asian, super trouble. Like <laughs> they don't want to yeah. get in indefinite trouble for their racism. They just want to have like general racism. Yeah. It's fine. Anyway, it's okay. Yeah. So then Mulder and Scully go with Gung back to the basement, and they stop at a different door than the one that has the mushrooms in it, and Gung goes in with his keys um, but the door is ajar so they go inside and this is where he keeps like all his like apothecary stuff basically it's like all his jars mm-hmm. or whatever so not where he's growing this stuff but where he mixes it up and, and there's like a bed in there for naps and stuff so i'm guessing it's kind of like his little retreat area i guess well i mean they only have like four staff members for a 24 7 facility yeah so i guess you gotta someone's gotta always be there true. Apparently. Yeah. And apparently it's gone so anyway he goes to this bottom drawer and he opens it up and he pulls out this like giant like pickle jar that i guess he kept his pills in and but it's like there's like a pill and then like some powder from because their pills are like in those little plastic like double insert like the capsule kind of things and then there's a bunch of powder from one but like it's basically it's empty someone's taking all the pills so Mulder pulls scully outside into the hallway because obviously no one can hear you talk in the hallway when they're right there next to the door and he tells her that he thinks she's right the patients here have been self-medicating with these mushrooms Mulder thinks the mushrooms are putting the patients in touch with the spirit world and possibly allowing the spirits to wreak havoc. And Scully says that mushrooms taste good on hamburgers, but they aren't medicine. They might be poisonous, though. And maybe that's what killed Hal Harden. And Mulder is like, I think something has been unleashed and has to do with these pills. Yeah. So Dr. Science is like, no, mushrooms taste good, but if they don't taste good, then they're poisonous, but they're not medicine. But yeah, this is the same Dr. Science who was willing to believe that Dr. Grago's treatments might be creating psychotic, psychic rapists. So I'm not sure anyone's supposed to take Scully seriously in this show, but apparently we do. So cool. All right. So Miss Kelly walks in on Stan and he's taking three of these mushroom pills. We see he's got three of them in his hand and she asks what he's taking. And he like, like a little kid, he just like throws them in his mouth and swallows them down. <laughs> and then Dorothy's in the hall shouting like, leave us alone, leave them alone. And apparitions appear around Miss Kelly and Dorothy tries to shoo them away. And Leo screams for help. Yeah. There's and no Dorothy staff anywhere. This no. lady is visiting her dad. And, like, he's taking pills that are just on the floor. And the other lady is like, help, all you specters, get away. And, like, there's no one there. This, what kind of place is this? Oh, my God. Yeah. And so Dorothy and Miss Kelly see Leo being dragged away. And then we hear Michelle Charter screams. And Mulder and Scully arrive in time. And she's, like, in this bathroom. And they, they see her get thrown against this wall. Or Mulder sees it. I don't know if Scully sees her get thrown against the wall. 
No, and Mulder runs inside to help her and the door slams shut behind him. So then like Mulder and Michelle Charters are in this bathroom and the pipes burst and water starts gushing out of every tap and like out of the toilets. And so it just like starts filling yeah, out of the drain of the bathtub is like every possible like building orifice water is like shooting right. out of. And so the Mulder yells at Scully to shut off the water main and yeah. Scully asks Grego and Dawson where the water shutoff is and they don't know. <laughs> Because they're trash. Yeah. I don't know anything about what they work. Which, by the way, kids, learn where your water main is. It could come in very handy. But she figures Gung will know where the water main is because at least he seems to have a handle on stuff. And so she runs to get him. And then in the bathroom, Mulder helps Michelle to her feet as like water is starting to fill the room. Yeah, because the room is apparently watertight. And so yeah. the water well, is just not watertight, but it's sealed enough to yeah it doesn't anyway that's another thing that doesn't make sense but we'll get into that yeah because water is like seeping out from under the floor when scully is outside but yeah anyway my scree about there being no staff i kind of we kind of i maybe like hid the fact that like you said at the end because dorothy is like leave him alone she's talking about leo and then both dorothy and mrs kelly see like leo being like dragged away into the dark of his room and then the door slams right and then of course scully is not allowed to see any psychic phenomenon because like Mulder runs in charters gets up because she was on the floor has stood up and then she gets hurled against the wall she lands on the floor then scully shows up and then the door slams in scully's face and then Mm -hmm. Mulder and charters are trapped in there so yeah so then gung and scully rush to the water main and Gung tries to turn it, but it's stuck. And in the bathroom, we can see it's flooding. So Mulder is like underwater, like swimming. Like Charters is like hanging from a pipe in the ceiling to like stay above the water. And Mulder is like underwater and he's trying to pull the drain up. And I'm not sure why he's trying to pull like the drain because it's basically like the little, like the hair catcher on the drain. I'm not sure why he's trying to pull it up because obviously the drain is not working. So, but anyway, yeah. and then the water is just getting closer and closer to the ceiling. And then Scully's running down the hallway and Mrs. Kelly's like, help, help. And then she says her father took something and she thinks he's dying. Like, just chaos is everywhere. Scully's right. just, like, going everywhere. And I'd say it's really cruel to make Jillian Anderson run with those post-pregnancy breasts because she's going to hurt herself. They are just flying everywhere while she's running down the hallway. So, <laughs> back at the bathroom, the door is shut tight and Grago can't get it open. And I should say, like, Mrs. Kelly's like, help, help my father. We see Stan laying in the bed going, oh, oh, oh. he's, he's took all his pills and so he's dying so anyway back at the bathroom the door is shut tight and dr grago can't get it open and scully tells him about stan and how she thinks he might have poisoned himself and so she asks if he has some other medicine and he's like i think so and so he runs off to go help stan and then scully's still trying to get to the bathroom and dawson's there too right isn't she standing there too at this point like being i honestly don't remember i mean if if she she is is, she's useless so yeah so she yeah. might as well be, or she might as well not be. We don't know. It doesn't make a difference. Yep. So suddenly the door just busts out from the pressure of the water, and water just floods down the hallway and knocks everybody down. Mulder and Charters come rushing out the door in the massive water. And then they're not drowned, so that's good, I yeah. guess. Yeah. It's pretty good for the show, I guess. Yeah. Dr. Drago gives Stan a shot, and Stan stops choking. And so he's not going to die either. And then during this, we see like all the spirits everywhere, like walking down the hallways. And then as Stan gets his shot, they kind of like, they just like fade away. And then Dorothy comes up. She's like, they're gone. They're gone. They're all gone. And she wheels down the hallway. She's happy. And then Mulder helps Charter stand up. And Scully's like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I think we're okay. So everyone's okay. They're just wet and 
not poisoned and um yeah it's totally fine yeah everything's fine. good now problem solved maybe yep. somehow although we don't really know how or what Executive the problem producer was chris carter no not yet so so there's scully's voiceover over shots of the home and she tells us that due to the unexplained incidents the massachusetts state public health department has taken over administration of the home and they detected trace amounts of the mushroom acid, which is what I'm calling it because we don't know what the crap it is. Yeah, they said what it was, but I, I didn't write it down. I wasn't going to watch this again. And I think to it, find well, out. It, I, I know what it was. It was a real drug that was in that whole thing about all the other stuff about what Scully's science being wrong. So, but I don't remember what it was. And I don't yeah, <laughs> but they found trace amounts of it in more than half the residents, although the levels did dissipate rapidly after they stopped taking this mushroom stuff. Um, Grego was replaced and Gung was remanded to the INS and is awaiting repatriation to Malaysia because, yeah. Well, Malaysia must be his home country. I, I guess hope. so. But not just send him like, oh, you're Asian. We'll send you there. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> um, and no effort is being made to study the mushrooms or any healing properties they may have. Charter's lawsuit was settled out of court. And the witnesses who are, you know, the old people in the elder care home. Mm -hmm. We're told that they have all had relapses and reversals in their progress of their diseases. So all well, the progress. We see it too over the voiceover. We can see that they're all right. Like Dorothy is kind of like they put something down in front of her and she's just kind of like staring off into space. Stan is just kind of like sitting there, kind of like his mouth is kind of quivering, not really saying anything. So they've all basically reverted to what they were like before. Mm -hmm. And like Leo's trying to draw and he like can't even draw a circle. Yeah. And yeah, well, it's he, really he's drawn, a, he's drawn like a boat, but it's pretty, it's relatively simple. I mean, it's not bad, but yeah, he's not. Yeah. And Stan's daughter is there. Visiting yeah, she's Stan, visiting and, and like, he's. I'll see you, daddy. He's like non-responsive. Yeah. So she obviously so. can't take him home anymore because he's not yeah. in good enough shape. And so, yeah, that's the end. Cool. Yep. Cool, cool, so that cool. was an episode of the X-Files that they actually made and aired in the 90s. Mm -hmm. I guess it happened. Yep. yep. It was super sweet. I get replacing Grago. because And dear God, please tell me they replaced Dawson as well. Because, oh, my God. But she also does say that they stopped his drug trials when they got rid of him. But I'm wondering, like, barring the interaction, what he was doing with Gung's pills, because Gung is like, something went wrong. Like, in my country, we just do this. But now something's happened. Right. So I'm going to say, like, there was, like, an interaction between the stuff they were taking and the pills that Gung was giving them. But, like, what would make that totally halt the trials? Though I'm probably guessing it wasn't, like, a real trial. He was, like, doing the TV mad scientist. Like, I have this group of people and I have a theory kind of trial. Where he yeah. Was just, like, giving people drugs and not really doing, like, a real trial. So, yeah, yeah, and apparently the character of Michelle Charters was written as a lesbian, and there was supposed to be a scene where her girlfriend comes in while Mulder and Scully are interviewing her, but then it was cut because it was extraneous, which I'm kind of glad. I don't think it would have added anything, and it might have made it worse because it would have been like pissy lesbian hates male attention type trope. So like we don't really need that. Yeah, because even Turnin, like when when like when she leaves to go change the room after they told her she has to go do it, he's like, "Ooh!" Like when she walks away, like looking at her butt or something. So yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, probably good they didn't include that. Not that I don't want more lesbian representation, but like wouldn't have helped here. So yeah, yeah. They also intentionally or not intentionally, 
I'm not going to decide. But of course, they did the like no one take rape seriously thing again. Right. And it kind of sucks because they do like acknowledge that rape is incredibly traumatic and like, you know, it can cause people to maybe like disassociate and maybe not get a good description of their attacker or their rapist. But then, like, yeah, it immediately is just like, well, she's obviously lying because she keeps trying to get out of this job and like no one, you know, yeah, it's not good. Yeah. Also comes right after an episode where we talked about they were in a town that had like a series of rapes that no one mentioned except for like two citizens and like but no law enforcement officers even mention it except for like law enforcement officers in a totally different show from a canceled crossover. And now we're like, oh, this person is raped. And it's kind of, I mean, Mulder is a little, I think they did it pretty well. He's not full on. Like when you hear about like people who have been raped, like in their police interviews, how horrible it is. He's not that awful, but he is a little pushbacky. Um, but then again, we're also dealing with like invisible rapist, which is a whole nother. So. Right. And so like, I kind of get the pushback on the fact that like, you know, invisible attacker, no one else was there, but like, and they don't do it the worst. No. It could yeah, have they... been winners. But yeah, it's not yeah. great. So are we assuming that the spirits are who killed and buried? So I don't know. And this is this episode is a hot mess for like a hundred reasons. Uh-huh. And I think one of them is there's no real it's totally unclear what the heck is going on. So here's my pin. Remember that pin where she says that she like knew how Arden's body and the way he smelled, and like mm-hmm. she knew that was her attacker. So then we get told that this is all these like weird phenomena and attacks are happening because people are taking these mushrooms that's letting them get closer to the spirit world and the spirits can see this evil mistreatment of these people. So they're exacting revenge on the people who are mistreating them, which to be fair, all Michelle did was like turn off their TV and not want him to pinch her butt, which to me is not anyway. But if spirits are the attackers in this scenario, Hal Arden was not dead when Michelle was attacked. So she's sure it was him, but it couldn't have been him because he was not dead yet. Right? Right. But I think it was him because, again, I think it's because of a hot mess. And so my here's, this is what I think they were trying to do is that so the pills are apparently because it's Asian mysticism, right? And maybe they're thinking about the fact that like it, it's it's like a drug conflict thing, so that's why it's behaving differently. My thought was that the pills, in addition to like basically curing their Alzheimer's, is giving them like some psionic powers. And so Hal did do that because like Stan, remember when Stan's talking about like, like, what did you tell them? He's like, you need to like, you need to calm down. You're gonna get us caught. And so I think Stan knows that Hal did what happened. Okay. And and even when like when the, when like when she straps Hal down and then she leaves, like they kind of give each other a look of like you know like hmm, what are you, what are you gonna do kind of thing, and so I think like they got psionic powers, but then also it seems like maybe like they're they're like this is like the Xavier School of old people where like everyone gets different powers, right? And so like. You know, like Leo can suddenly draw really amazing. Well, he drew amazing before, but like he's like channeling like psychedelics, right? And weird, surreal stuff. Doesn't seem to be doing much for Dorothy at all, except for she can see visions. But it's like with the whole like when Stan gets his shot, when he's choking and they give him the Mm -hmm. shot and he doesn't die, like the spirits disappear. So it's almost like Stan is like manifesting the spirits. 
so I think I think everyone has like different. I think they're like all like individual different cases. I mean, it's a mess. Like, you, I'm oh, just, it's a mess. Yeah, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. That's what it seems like, because you would assume that it was Stan who like used like his psionic powers to like Chuck turning out the window. But it actually seems like it was like the spirits, because then we see like the spirits drag Leo away. Which why they're dragging Leo away? I have no idea. Like, what did Leo do? Like, why are they yeah, dragging Leo away? Mm. And then like, None are they the ones sense. who killed the other dude, Upshaw, and buried him? Yeah. Like, I don't. Yeah. It's a hot mess. I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't think Gun killed that guy, but then I don't know no. who did. Because why and would he? Yeah. So Unless I was thinking if it out, was. But... If it was meant to be Hal who was dead and, you know, attacking, I was thinking, well, they could have had the newly dead patient be the one she thinks attacked her. Like, it could have been a dude. Yeah. But then, obviously, like, you can't sue for a recently dead guy attacking you. I don't know. The whole thing is, it's a hot mess. Yeah, I think they needed the spirits to do all the other stuff that happens afterwards. Like, it wouldn't make sense for, like, you know, like, Stan to be, like, making the bathroom explode. Right. Or for, like, Leo to be dragged away, which why they even had to have Leo dragged away, except for that way Dorothy could have something going on when no one else was around and Scully would have to run all over the place. But, yeah. I mean, it's like we said, it's a hot mess. Oh, such a hot mess. It's admittedly a hot mess because both James Wong and Chris Carter admit that when they got the script, it was a hot mess. And this is, like, James Wong says it was a script they had to work probably the most on when they received it. And then apparently Chris Carter was rewriting it right up to and maybe even possibly into like during shooting. Right. So, Which would explain like why it's such a hot mess. Because yeah. like if he was rewriting it as they were filming, then they were just getting stuff and then putting it together and hoping that it made sense. Yeah. And this and is Paul not. Brown's last episode that he wrote. <laughs> wrote Ascension and then he wrote this one and that's it so that might have been why this is his last one that may have been the script was such a mess I would be curious to see like what else was in the script that they had to rewrite like what was because apparently he wrote it it was just it was just too it was too grandiose there was just too much going on so I think maybe they either like cut a bunch of stuff out that would maybe explain it or it was grandiose and made no sense. And so they had to rewrite. I don't know like what was involved in the rewriting and what they changed and what they added and what have you. So, but apparently it was just a giant hot mess. And then it, like everyone was working on it. So it does seem to work like what you say. Someone submits a script and then like all the thousands and thousands of producers on the show, like work together to like tweak it. Yeah. So, this one just did not get tweaked yeah. well or yeah, I would love to know what the original was because this is not much better than I can. Anyway, yeah, because James Wong does say that it's the script that we had to work the hardest on, and so by we, I don't. Know if he just means like the group, or if he means like, like surprisingly, no mention on this from Morgan, so he didn't have a take on this. But so I don't know if he means like he and Morgan, and then also Chris Carter, or. It's probably like yeah it's probably me. all of them sitting so, together yeah. going how Although can chris we fix carter this did of course chris carter says this about every episode he does say that he thinks it worked out well in the end though yeah he's wrong i'm sorry yeah. chris i'm sorry i would love to hang out with you at a barbecue place <laughs> and like have some barbecue and chat but i do not think this episode worked out well no, he said that a couple of times on episodes that were kind of trash. But yeah, I mean, I guess at some point you kind of have to, right? Like you're getting asked about all these things, and you're like, yeah, it turned out okay. Like it's fine. Yeah. We got it to air. We got it done. We worked hard. We finished it. Everyone gave their best. Yeah, the fact that Howard Gordon is unable to write an episode by himself, he definitely needs a team, like a partner, to write with. 
he I will grant him that he does admit when he writes stuff that's crap, he'll say that it's crap. Where I don't think Chris Carter like he has like that cognitive dissonance of like, but this is something I made, so it can't be bad. It has to be good. I don't know. Well, I think it's also like I mean, you know, when you work on a show, like I've never worked on a TV show for real television. But like, you know, when you work on something and you produce it and you spend all this time putting it together and writing scenes and filming scenes and then someone cuts it together and you're like, look at what we did. And it's pretty cool. And like you feel good about it because you just did all that work at the last minute. It's the same thing with any project where you're like, okay, we got it done. It was good. Like, whew, I don't think it's that bad. And like, if you know what the previous version was, I was maybe say, in comparison, I was, I was, I was waiting like, to finish and I was going to be like, this is yeah. a lot better. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, it may be like, you know, based on like, based on what it yeah. started with, it was, it worked out really well afterwards. So yeah, we don't. Yeah. Have so I think quote. that might be like why he's like, oh, it turned out good. Cause like, look at how far we came, but it did not turn out good. This episode was so confusing and so unpleasant for so many reasons. <laughs> Like, you've got rape, and you've got these abusive orderlies abusing old people, and you've got Alzheimer's, and just, like, all this horrible stuff, and then there's no real payoff. Oh, and, and like, racism super depressing and xenophobia. Ending. Seriously. Yeah, and the depressing ending. Like, all these old people are now oh, in the throes yeah. of their illness, and the poor Miss Kelly can't take her dad home. And No, her father was doing super well, and then now he's... Yeah, it was just such a... Anyway, it's okay. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It happened. It's fine. Never have to watch it again, so there's that. Yeah. Instead of all the episodes ending with, like, you know, it ends and it goes to black, and then it's all executive producer Chris Carter. It should be like, it's fine. <laughs> It's well, fine. we did it, guys. It's we did it. Fine. We made an episode of television that aired on TV and got better ratings than a lot of things. So we're good. We're good. It's fine. Yep. So I guess we should probably rate this. Probably. Probably. Yeah. I'm not even going to mess around. This is a two. Ooh. It's a two. Like, ooh, I don't hate ooh, it as ooh. much as Gender Bender, but. I just didn't like any Whoa. part of it. Like, I just thought it was it was a mess. It was confusing. The plot doesn't really make any sense. Like, it goes in 500 directions. There's so much going on, and they cannot seem to figure out what the actual plot is. And if they do know, they did not do a good job of explaining it on the screen. So if they kind of had an idea of what was happening, they did not convey that well. So, yeah, it's a two. Wow, a two. Wow. Well, I'm going to go with a three. Okay. A little bit higher. Because from my, like, it's, it's not like the fact that, like, the plot doesn't make sense and there's things that they did that don't make sense. And, like, like I've seen that before. So, yeah, I'll go with a three. That's cool. I just, I have a new rule for TV. If you're going to use sexual assault, you need to do it for a reason and it needs to work. And it needs to, like, be resolved, and it needs to make character sense, and, yeah, we need some closure on that. And it did not happen. And that's not the reason I'm giving it a two. I'm giving it a, I mean, that's not helping the rating. But I'm giving it a two because the episode is just nonsensical from start to finish. It starts in one place with, like, invisible attacker, and it just, like, meanders all over the place and doesn't go anywhere concrete. So, yep. Yeah. I will not disagree with that. So, but yeah, I'm going to go with a three. Cool. No, because I don't think, let's see, did I give the only episode I've ever given lower than a three was born again. 
Yeah, born so, again was so bad too. Oh, born again man. was really, really bad. So it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't born again bad. I think this is like, just as bad. Like it didn't make any sense. And I'm just like, okay. I can't. I can't. Yeah, because I originally gave Deep Throat a 2.5, but I adjusted it. Actually, I adjusted Deep Throat up to a four at some point. Wow. But my lowest score has been a three. Um, well, the exception of Born Again, which was a one last yeah. season. So, yeah, I think this is a three for me. Okay, that's so, cool. Yeah. All righty. Well, I'm guessing you don't have anything else to say. I mean, you want to say no, that you haven't said already. Not really. I want, I just want to know what the heck was happening. But I think you've actually, you have a pretty good explanation. I was so just like, I don't even know what's going on. And then I kept thinking about it, and then I kept getting more angry because I was like, how could Hal have attacked her? None of this makes sense, and I hate it. I hate it, X-Files. Yeah, I mean, my explanation is kind of like, so going back to math, is sort of like a piecemeal function where it's like, okay, for this case, we use this function, and for this case, we use... So like, okay, for this guy, it works this way, and for this guy, it works this way, and for this woman, it doesn't really work at all, and for this guy, it works this way. And so it's not really an explanation. It's a like... It's being super generous, but yeah, if it works, it works, I guess, but it doesn't. So, yeah, no, I, I don't want to be given too much credit for explaining the episode is what I'm trying to well, say. Well, no, I'm not saying, I'm just <laughs> saying you, you at least could like follow a thread, whether or not that thread was what they intended you to follow. You were able to like put it together. And like, for me, it was just like, I don't know what's happening. There's one thing over here and two things over here. And Hey, look at this hand, look at this mushroom thing. And then also, Hey, there's water filling up this room because Mulder and Michelle, I guess Michelle needs to be punished more, even though she was already yeah. raped and beaten. So yeah, cause she got hurled against that. And it's about like the walls, like it's like all tile, right? Tile floor, tile walls. Yeah. Yeah. She got hurled against that wall, like thunk and then hit the floor. Yeah. And Michelle doesn't so. seem like of all the people who work there. I mean, she's not, she doesn't like her job, but she doesn't seem that awful. Granted, yeah, we don't I mean, see her interaction. She's a little, she's a little brusque, but she's also a little brusque. Like, but the guy pinched her butt. I'd be brusque too. Yeah. Well, I mean, before that too, she's a little brusque. Like when she just walks in and turns her TV off. Yeah. But she's also probably been dealing with this for how many months? Well, I mean, it's like a couple of years, thing. and she's been trying to get out of it. So clearly. Yeah. <laughs> so not... I mean, that does affect you. Even, even if you go in, like you know, bright-eyed and idealistic, right. You can get you can get worn down. Yeah, so, and I was not to say that's a reason why you should be there. Like maybe if that's the case, and maybe you should. Leave. Yeah, exactly. Like but... I understand. That I can't imagine working. Like I couldn't be a nurse. I couldn't work in a place like this. People who do that stuff have my total admiration because like I just don't have the capacity to deal with like bodily fluids number one let alone having to see like people who are you know gonna gradually decline and have to deal with that every day that's got to be so hard but it's not an excuse to be abusive and if you get to the point where you can't do your job in a way that you're not like mistreating everyone you work with you probably need to find a new job like those two orderly dudes yeah. You're right that they didn't need to die. I mean, they're not real, so I'm not going to cry about it. But like, when I'm not sure what the point of Upshaw's death even was. Right. Why like, is he buried with the mushrooms? That doesn't make sense either. No. And like, why? Because I, I get like, that's what makes them like interrogate Gung. But like, you could think they would interrogate us because like, where's all these mushrooms doing? Right. Why are you growing like, what's going on? mushrooms on the premises? And 
Yeah. Like that so. is not okay either. These have psychedelic properties or whatever, maybe. I don't know. There are other reasons. Yeah, we missed an opportunity for Scully to do more science. <laughs> She could have been like putting them in test tubes and shaking them up and looking at them under microscope. I am all for Scully doing science. I'm <laughs> even te- if it's team Scully garbage. science. <laughs> yeah, even if it's, I mean, you know, I mean, in fairness, like Scotty and Star Trek is hella entertaining, but like the science is ridiculous. Oh, no, it's the it's, worst. It's Star Trek. So, Although, but he's hilarious. He's a, so. but Scotty, oh, James Doohan. Yeah, no, he's great. amazing. He's an amazing, he's an amazing engineer. But the, he's an engineer of made-up science. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. I, mean, I guess Scully can be an amazing everything doctor of made-up everything. So. Yeah. But anyway, All yeah, right. this episode was a hot mess. Boom. We're done. Boom. We're done. <laughs> oh, All my right. goodness. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Episode production, design, and editing is by Lazian Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. And The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians. You can find us at IWantToRewatch.com or wherever podcasts are found. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And you can always share this podcast with a friend. If they like The X-Files, we'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch Season 2 of The X-Files. Episode 12, Aubrey. And try to figure out if the the truth truth is still out there. The truth is what we make of it. So one last thing. I just want you to tell me what you think Aubrey is or who. I'm guessing it's a person. Yeah, I thought that too. That tells me it's not. <laughs> I mean, it's it's fine. It doesn't really matter at all. I just thought it was funny because I was like, oh, Aubrey, it's going to be about someone named Aubrey. It is not. I was like, yeah, it's going to be like another Dwayne Barry, right? It's going to be yeah, like no, person. not oh. about someone named Aubrey is actually. A, a... Oh, OK. So anyway.